Fetterman, we really are missing the big point. Not a lot of people talking about what we're going to talk about tonight. We'll have that coming up. The jet has been found. $80 million worth of military hardware apparently has crashed. And North Korea's Kim Jong-un gets some rather interesting gifts from Russia. Hmm making presents. All that and more. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Tuesday. Tuesday has begun. We are back. We got all that and a ton of other stuff. Busy show tonight, today, whatever it is in your time zone. We got viewers and listeners across the world. Of course, most of our audience is in the U.S. because we are very U.S.-centric about all we talk about, unless it's something I think is going to creep its way across the pond and head in from Europe or the UK or wherever. So all that and more is all coming up tonight. Right now, though, let's just take a short little bit, ask for your patience while we tell you about one of our great sponsors, and that is, of course, Blackout Coffee. Folks, if you drink as much coffee as I do, and that's a lot, you really appreciate good coffee. This company, Blackout Coffee, founded on the principles of conservative values. Now, that's not enough to just believe in hard work, personal responsibility, family, respect, American values. You also have to put out a good product. You got to put that together with a damn good product. And in this case, Blackout Coffee is exactly that. They source premium specialty green coffee beans grown at the right altitude, right time of year, correct temperature, best soil. They work with local co-ops and American farmers who grow these beans. And then they have a strict adherence to what's known as the small batch roasting process. It makes a difference. Blackout coffee roasted, packed, shipped within usually 24 to 48 hours from the time you order couple more days to get it to your door from the shipping company, and there you go, a fresh roasted bag of the most amazing coffee beans. That crap you buy in the store, you don't know how long it's been sitting on that shelf or when it was roasted. Blackout coffee, you do, and you can taste the difference, absolutely. Head over to the site, use our link in our show notes, it's right down there. You don't have to buy a big ton of order, you know, spend thousands of dollars, just buy a single bag of coffee beans, whatever your favorite roast is. They've got some amazing cocos in incredible flavors and some also incredible teas over there also. Use our link, you'll get a special deal. And don't forget when you check out, we have a promo code that is J20. J-A-Y-20 is our promo code and you will get 20% off your first order. 20% using the promo code J20 at checkout. Do check them out. Be awake. Not woke with blackout coffee. Get some coffee with some values. Yeah. That's what it's all about, my friends. Values. Our values. Conservative values. The things that John Fetterman apparently just doesn't have. I'm telling you, this is just the weirdest story. And I'm not sure why more people aren't talking about this angle. Fetterman has been in the news lately, and by the way, the latest piece of garbage with this moron is that they have now adopted less, they're not enforcing the Senate dress code 
In the past, it has always been enforced. And just for this idiot, this slob, they have decided to forego the dress rules. So this disrespectful moron can dress like this homeless person on the floor of the United States Senate. All right, that's one topic. It's bad enough, but rumors are flying all over the internet, X, Facebook, wherever, that Fetterman has been replaced with a double. And there's a lot of pictures that show Fetterman in the last week or two. And I admit, these pictures do not all look like the same guy. But to me, we're all missing the biggest, strangest part of this story. Nobody is talking about it. Now, ever since the video spread far and wide of uh, Senator Fetterman, Uncle Fester, uh, reacting with sarcastic derision to news the House Republicans were considering beginning a formal impeachment inquiry against Biden, rumors have been flying that the guy in the video wasn't Fetterman. X is full of detailed comp comparisons, still photos, uh, side by side, uh, supporters deriding doubters as crazed conspiracy theorists, going nuts over photos taken with different lighting at different angles amidst all the back and forth about whether or not there are now two Fettermans. The biggest part of the story nobody is talking about. Here is that video, let's see, here we go, that everybody was talking about. I'm asking about this news that uh, Speaker McCarthy has formally launched an impeachment inquiry, has said he's going to- Oh my God, really? Oh my gosh, you know, oh, it's devastating. <laughs> Ooh, don't do it, please don't do it. All right, so that's the video that people were talking about. He started the rumors flying in mid-August when he radically changed his look. He shaved the salt and pepper goatee, grew a thick brown mustache, led to a blizzard of photo comparisons. The idea there was another double bald, hulky, slouching, six-foot-eight slob with a crooked frown line on his forehead waiting to take Fetterman's place. Even in the days of AI and massive fakery, there could conceivably be a fake Fetterman. I mean, it's not outside of the realm of possibilities. But if there is, the biggest evidence of the fakery is not in the small details of Fetterman's appearance. The biggest evidence is that the new Fetterman can speak coherently, put together sentences, doesn't need a machine to understand what people are saying. Now, where did all that come from? Back in June, a fairly typical utterance, Fetterman spoke in the Senate Environment Public Works Committee about a collapse of section of I-95 in Pennsylvania. Uh, no, I, 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 uh, would, would, would just, uh, um, really like to, uh, you know, the 95, 90, 95, 95, you know, um, you know, obviously that 
you know, you're pretty much preoccupied with with the 95, and I certainly am too. And you know, it's a major uh, uh, artery, and uh, not just for for Pennsylvania, but but for the East and East Coast. And Penn, a lot of Pennsylvanians are worried that the delays and repairs are bringing to its standstill deal. That is an exact quote on tape from Fetterman. Not only that, back in February, New York Times revealed he had difficulty understanding what people were saying, likened his condition to trying to make out the muffled voice of the teacher in a Peanuts cartoon. He had this condition for a long time, since he couldn't understand spoken questions during his debate with Oz in 2022, he was given the questions on a closed caption system. Dasha Burns, NBC News stated afterwards when the closed captioning was off, it wasn't even clear he was understanding the conversation. Last Tuesday, in that clip you just saw, he understood every word of that question and replied immediately with a sarcastic display of anxiety. Now that is the real story. That is the story, folks. It has nothing to do with the way he looks and the pictures and they look different and whatever. Where did this miraculous healing come from? Nobody's asked and nobody's answered that question. When did he become able to formulate coherent responses to questions. Now, to be sure, he didn't say much about the impeachment inquiry itself. Don't do it. It's devastating. But but even in that, he sounded more in command of his faculties than he has ever in the past sounded, at least during the 2022 campaign and the beginning of the year on the Senate floor. Nobody's asking the question, and someone needs to ask the question. Why, all of a sudden, did this man, who was previously a blubbering idiot, who not only couldn't speak or put a coherent sentence together, but couldn't even understand what people were asking him, and now suddenly he understands everything, able to reply even with sarcasm, that is the difference that makes me think something's weird. Something's not right. You do not just flip a switch and all of a sudden you're cured. It doesn't work that way. So, let's find out what's going on. Keep an eye on this story. It's one of those things that make you go, hmm. And like I said, I have seen nobody. This is an article from PJ Media. They are the only ones I've seen who wrote an article about exactly what was on my mind today with Fetterman. Call him a body double if you want to because he looks different. But it has nothing to do with that, in my humble opinion. It has everything to do with the fact that all of a sudden, this man has no trouble putting together sentences and has no trouble understanding what people are saying. Night and day, in a matter of a month or two,
Mm -mm. Something's not right. Something smells in Denmark. Where that came from? I have to look that up. Ted Cruz is back in the news. He's been very quiet lately. He's usually, you know, headlining everybody's news and interview shows, but haven't heard from Mr. Cruz for quite a while. Well, he has now a rather interesting theory, not one you haven't thought of before, about who will replace Joe Biden in 2024. This article just came out here. It's from Red State. There's Ted. Joe Biden actually going to be the Democratic Party nominee for president in 2024? Well, a lot of people have been whipping that question around for a long time, trying to figure out how he would even possibly handle even a light campaign schedule. Um, this is a guy who can't manage a single speech without making all kinds of gaffes and lies and not knowing how to get off the stage, even though he's told specifically how to get off the stage. Carmela, yeah, she ain't going to cut it. There is another person that Ted Cruz thinks could parachute in. Ted's going with Michelle. Michael Obama. Here's a quote from uh, Ted Cruz. Here's the scenario I think perhaps the most likely and most dangerous. In August 2024, Democrat kingmakers Jettison Biden parachuted Michelle Obama. Cruz explained that by running Michelle as a part of the party's candidate, the Democrats could avoid the problem of having to choose a candidate among political figures like Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, Gavin Newsom. Michelle would come in as kind of like the adult in the room. Interesting theory. Now, Barack, obviously, loved by the left and the far left because they still haven't woken up, and a lot of independents as well. Term limited, but his wife is not. We could have another eight years of a Barack Obama administration via his wife slash husband. She's been above the political fray for the last decade, doesn't have all the bumps and bruises that have made Camilla uh, pretty much unelectable. But that's Ted Cruz's uh, take on it. He thinks at the last minute, and boy, August would be the last minute too. At the last minute, he thinks Michelle or Michael will come swooping in and become the nominee, which should scare the hell out of you. This is Blackout Coffee. Check them out. And this is some of our show merchandise. You'll also find that in our show notes. It's got our logo on it. We got hoodies, tank tops, t-shirts, sweatshirts, all kinds of cool stuff. All right. They found the plane. $80 million worth of military hardware. Gone. You know, yesterday I said, you know, don't you have radar? And then I realized this is actually a stealth plane. It is designed to avoid radar. So, okay, fair enough. But still, really? Military officials have located debris from the F-35 that crashed over South Carolina. Monday, they said they located the wreckage of the F-15 fighter. 
Joint Base Charleston, which is located in South Carolina, said Sunday's social media efforts were underway to locate the aircraft with the help of Marine Corps Air Station Beaufort following a mishap in the afternoon asked for the public's help. Personnel from Joint Base Charleston, Military Air Corps Station Beaufort, close coordination with local authorities, have located a debris field in Williamsburg County. Joint Base Charleston said in a statement the debris was discovered two hours northeast of J.B. Charleston. So they went out, checked it out. Retired Air Force General Hawk Carlisle, yes, of course his name is Hawk, said in an interview that F-35 oftentimes will have their radar cross-sections modified when they're flying during public or semi-public flights, so foreign adversaries like Communist China are not able to watch and see how the plane appears on radar during combat. Radar cross-section of an F-35 is so small, it appears on radar as an object roughly the size of a bumblebee. Wow. So anyway, that's a part of why they couldn't find the plane. It was designed not to be found. But now they've found it. It has crashed in South Carolina, and recovery efforts are underway. Wow. Frightening, huh? All right, we've got some gifts for Kim Jong-un, the dictator-slash-president-slash-god-for-life of North Korea. He just visited Russia, which should concern almost all Americans and free-loving, thinking people. Well, Russia gave him some gifts, including... A bulletproof vest, <laughs> useful, and kamikaze drones? Yeah, it's from the Daily Wire. Kim Jong-un receives kamikaze drones and bulletproof vests as gifts during his Russia trip. Several expensive drones and unique gifts his rare trip outside of the country came to an end. Departed Russia following a six-day trip in which he met with Putin, toured various facilities, visited sites in the country's Far East. According to Russian news organizations, he was gifted five explosive kamikaze drones, a bulletproof vest, and a reconnaissance drone. That according to Fox News. Body armor with protective zones for chest, shoulders, throat, and groin, and much lighter than its analog versions. The reconnaissance drone, a Duranium 25 aircraft type drone, as well as the kamikaze drones and bulletproof vests given to Kim by the governor of the Russian region of Primorye, which borders both North Korea and China. So, Good luck with that, Kim. Enjoy your gifts. Try not to use them on your own people, if that's possible. Well, Illinois, who Illinois, who has already stepped in it time and time again, has 
stepped in it again. They already have some of the highest crime rates. Chicago is just murder city. And now they've found a way, these wonderful Democrats, to make it even worse. Illinois has become the first state to eliminate cash bail. It's just not bad enough, as Dan says. Monday, turning the state into a testing ground to see what ramifications come from eliminating the process of cash bail. Now, the end of cash bail was supposed to take place January 1st, but they put that law on hold while, whoops, wait a minute, not that one. They put that law on hold while Illinois Supreme Court reviewed the measure. The high court upheld the state law in July and ruled the state constitution does not require cash bail in criminal trials. Now, the elimination in Illinois rolled out Monday. It is a move hugely criticized by conservative Republicans worrying about the law's impact as I said during it, as I says during a time of hugely rising crime, prosecutors, court experts, city lawmakers continue to debate over how to balance public safety and maintain an equal criminal justice system. Equal. Right. Don't break the law. You won't have to worry about it. The Safety Act, as it's called, along with eliminating money as a factor for release, intended to level the playing field and allocate more time to defendants who want to make their case against pretrial detention or supervision orders. So, no more cash bail in Illinois. That includes, of course, Chicago. And with the kind of crime that's going on in that state, especially Chicago, you're all screwed. Get out. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Get out of these liberal cities. Get out, get out, get out. You're going to get hurt or you're going to get dead. Neither of which you want. Washington Examiner story, again, about crime. You know how the looting and uh, people just walking in, filling up bags and walking out again. They've come up with a rather novel way since police don't want to make arrests. In some cases, they're not allowed to make arrests. In a lot of cases, the store personnel are not allowed to interfere. Just let them take whatever they want. Well, they've become a little innovative. I kind of like this story. Retailers are turning to fog machines to create near-zero visibility to stop theft. How cool is that? A philosophy behind a new security system that pumps dense fog into the air in the store which traps criminals and prevents them from carrying out after-hours smash-and-grab uh, jobs that have put thousands, literally thousands of retailers across the U.S. out of business. The system, 
which ties into an existing alarm system, can be used as a standalone, pumps out a mixture of glycol and distilled water through a heating unit, creating a dry, dense white fog that generates near zero visibility in the environment, makes it impossible to see in a matter of seconds. Mike Eagle, president of Density USA, master distributor for the fog generator in the US. And here is an example of how it works. Take a look at this. This is so cool. Density 900, we leave the competition without a fogging clue. Watch this thing go, boom, there you go. Two, three, four, five, boom. In about five or six seconds, zero visibility. How are you gonna find your way out there? It is so dry, there's no residue, nothing to clean up, perfectly safe to breathe, safe for the assets of the business, and perfectly safe for humans and pets. That's cool. If the fog generator is tied to an alarm, as soon as the alarm or motion detector trips, the fog deploys, just like that. I love this. Wow. Jewelry chains. Seven states. 3,500 active installations in the U.S. and inked a deal for 6,500 more. Wow. The cost to retailers currently from all these thefts, close to $100 billion. $100 billion with a B dollars. Can't go on. It can't go on. Crime in D.C., also in the news, just the news, John Solomon's site, Great article here. Crime in D.C. is so bad, Congress is distributing tips. How to avoid being carjacked in the Capitol. The D.C. area is currently struggling to contend with a surge in criminal activity that no one has seen at this level before. Many questioning the safety of even living in D.C. Compared to this point, in 2022, homicides are up 28% on pace to reach the highest levels in more than 20 years. Wow. So now they've come out with little tips and booklets and things and how to avoid carjacking in Washington, D.C. So if you'd like to pick one of these up, recommendations, not wearing jewelry, public transportation, leaving no valuables visible within your parked car, limit more aggressive incidents like carjacking and armed robbery, some suggested leaving space between your car and a red light in case you need to flee, minimizing time using a mobile phone while walking to limit the distractions, also suggested. It's concerning to think of a city of just over a half million people that 5,000 cars, the press. In the years since, testimony from people like, oh, say, Devin Archer, newly disclosed emails indicate the president's son's memoirs was an exercise in spin, not truth-telling, especially 
concerning his father's role in foreign business dealings. Now, of course, the subject of a House impeachment inquiry. We'll see where that goes. The evidence shows how the Bidens used the memoir to create a politically charged narrative. One narrative largely embraced by mainstream media. Oh, the Bidens distorted the truth to protect the family. No surprise there. Page 118, as a, one example. Hunter writes, After accompanying then-Vice President Joe Biden to China on Air Force Two in 2013, he merely introduced his father to a well-connected Chinese investor. It was a quick greeting that lasted just long enough for a handshake. Hi, nice to meet you. Bye. While we were in Beijing, Dad met one of Devon's Chinese partners, Jonathan Lee, in the lobby of the American Delegation's hotel, just long enough to say hello and shake hands. Hunter Wright, Lee and I then headed off for a cup of coffee. Well, that account seems to comport with now President Biden's repeated denials he discussed business with his son or had any substantive involvement with his business partners. Archer, however, told a different story to U.S. lawmakers during a deposition earlier this year. He said, Jonathan Lee and Biden had, Vice President Biden had coffee. According to a recently released transcript of uh, Archer's interview, they had coffee in Beijing, he recalled, suggesting there may have been talk about the business relationship. Or, you know what, maybe they were just talking about the weather. I'm sure. I'm sure of that. Uh, illegals. Yeah, more of them. And more and more. Did you see that footage today, by the way? They just are pouring, pouring across the border. And now they're taking trains. A train of illegal immigrants barrels towards the U.S.-Mexico border. Take a look at that. Unbelievable. Hundreds of illegal immigrants loudly celebrating as they rode on top of a cargo train heading for the U.S. Record number of crossings at the U.S.-Mexico border. Cheers and yells could be heard from many of the people who boarded the train in the footage of the occurrence that went viral. Here it is. Okay, 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 enough of the sound. Look at, look at, look at that. Hundreds upon hundreds, all stuck on top of a cargo train, all coming right across the border and into your neighborhood. It doesn't stop, look, still going, still going. Every inch of the top of those rail cars covered in illegal immigrants. Nobody's keeping track of these people. Nobody's... <laughs> Sorry, nobody's asking questions. Nobody knows where they're going, what they're doing. And nobody cares. 
They do care about the January 6th defendants, though. Oh, yeah. Care a lot about that. That's in the news again also today. Sadly, I don't have the right link here. I'll fix that and we'll get it taken care of. Unbelievable. All right, we got, uh, we got one more? Yeah, we do have one more. I love this guy. Check this out. You know, growing up, I was a skinny kid when I was in my 5 to 10, 12, 13 years old. And then I got a paper route, and I had pocket money. And at the end of my paper route was a little country store called Utzler's Country Store. And they made the best milkshakes made with real ice cream and fresh milk. That was about it, really. And I got fat. <laughs> Very fat. As a teenager and in through my 20s and 30s, I was big as a house. There's pictures out there on the internet of me at... What at one point must have been almost probably 300 pounds. I'm not kidding. Huge. Anyway, I love it when somebody who's got a few pounds on is able to say, screw it. I don't care. I can do it anyway. There is no name on this guy's video. It was posted by Out of Context human race, which is a great follow over on X. But take a look. Can we go full screen? Nah, I better not. I'll mess something up. Take a look. The link's in our show notes if you want to share it out there or watch it again. Watch this guy. You'll see, I'm not fat shaming here. I don't believe in all that crap. But anyway, the guy's got some pounds on, okay? He's kind of fat. Doesn't stop him. Take a look at this. Watch. It may not be the cleanest little gymnastics routine, but he doesn't stop. He just keeps going. Look at that. Look at that. Damn, that guy's good. Huh? And look at the pounds he's carrying around there. That is insane. I love this guy. I wish I knew who what his name was. I give him a hat tip. But man, look at that. Ha! All right. Hats off to you, pal. Unbelievable. Wow. What an accomplishment. Keep going. Never give up and never say you can't. You ready? Animal Farm, we're on Chapter 9. We're headed towards the end. Coming up after this, we're going to start on Lord of the Flies. We will have that coming up in uh, in the next, probably by the, yeah, I think we'll get through uh, Animal Farm this week, sometime towards the end of the week, and then we will uh, we'll likely this week, if not the very beginning of next week, start Lord of the Flies. That'll be cool. All right. So, without further ado, let us move on over to George Orwell's Animal Farm, first published back in 1944. Benjamin pushed her aside, and in the midst of a deadly silence, he read, Alfred Simmons, horse slaughterer and glue boiler, Wildington, dealer in hides and bone meal, kennels supplied. Do you not understand what that means? They're taking boxer. To the knackers. A cry 
of horror burst from all the animals. At this moment, the man on the box whipped up his horses and the van moved out of the yard in a smart trot. All the animals followed, crying out at the tops of their voices. Clover forced her way to the front. The van began to gather speed. Clover tried to stir her stout limbs to a gallop and achieve a canter. Boxer, she cried. Boxer, boxer, boxer. And just at this moment, as though she had heard the uproar outside, Boxer's face, with the white stripe down his nose, appeared at the small window at the back of the van. Boxer, cried Clover in a terrible voice. Boxer, get out! Get out quickly! They're taking you to your death! All the animals took up the cry of, Get out, Boxer, get out! But the van was already gathering speed, drawing away from them. It was uncertain whether Boxer had understood what Clover had said, but a moment later his face disappeared from the window, and there was the sound of a tremendous drumming of hooves inside the van. He was trying to kick his way out. This time had been when a few kicks from Boxer's hoofs had smashed the van to matchwood, but alas, his strength had left him. And in a few moments, the sounds of drumming hooves grew fainter and died away. In desperation, the animals began appealing to the two horses, which drew the van to stop. Comrades! Comrades! they shouted. Don't take your own brother to his death. But the stupid brutes, too ignorant to realize what was happening, merely set their ears back and quickened their pace. Boxer's face did not reappear at the window. Too late, someone thought of racing ahead and shutting the five-barred gate, but in another moment, the van was through it, rapidly disappearing down the road. And Boxer was never seen again. Three days later, it was announced that he had died in the hospital in Willingdon in spite of receiving every attention a horse could have. Squealer came to announce the news to the others. He had, he said, been present during Boxer's last hours. It was the most affecting sight I've ever seen, said Squealer, lifting his trotter, wiping away a tear. I was at his bedside at the very last, and at the end almost too weak to speak, he whispered in my ear that his sole sorrow was to have passed on before the windmill was finished. Forward, comrades, he whispered. Forward, in the name of the rebellion. Long live Animal Farm. Long live Comrade Napoleon. Napoleon, always right. Those were his very last words, comrades. Here, Squealer's demeanor suddenly changed. He fell silent for a moment. His little eyes darted suspicious glances from side to side before he proceeded. It had come to his knowledge, he said, that a foolish, wicked rumor had been circulated at the time of Boxer's removal 
Some of the animals had noticed the van which took Boxer away was marked horse slaughterer, and had actually jumped to the conclusion that Boxer was being sent to the knackers. It was almost unbelievable, said Squealer, that any animal could be so stupid. Surely, he cried indignantly, whisking his tail, skipping from side to side. Surely, they knew their beloved leader, Comrade Napoleon, better than that. But the explanation was really very simple. The van had previously been the property of the knacker and had been bought by the veterinary surgeon, who hadn't yet painted the old name out. That was how the mistake had arisen. Well, the animals were enormously relieved to hear this, and when Squealer went on to give further graphic details of Boxer's deathbed, the admirable care he'd received and the expensive medicines for which Napoleon had paid without thought to cost, their last doubts disappeared, and the sorrow they felt for their comrade's death was tempered by the thought that at least he died happy. Napoleon himself appeared at the meeting on the following Sunday morning, pronounced a short oration in Boxer's honor. It had not been possible, he said, to bring back their lamented comrades' remains for interment on the farm, but he ordered a large wreath to be made from the laurels in the farmhouse garden sent down to be placed on Boxer's grave. And in a few days' time, the pigs intended to hold a memorial banquet in Boxer's honor. Napoleon ended his speech with a reminder of Boxer's two favorite maxims. I will work harder. And Comrade Napoleon is always right. Maxims, he said, which every animal would do well to adopt as his own. On the day appointed for the banquet, a grocer's van drove up from Willingdon, delivered a large wooden crate to the farmhouse. That night there was the sound of uproarious singing, which was followed by what sounded like a violent quarrel, and ended at about eleven o'clock with a tremendous crash of glass. No one stirred in the farmhouse before noon on the following day, and word went round that from somewhere or other the pigs had acquired to money to buy themselves another case of whiskey. Coming up tomorrow, we will continue with Chapter 10. Years passed, the seasons came and went, and the short animal-lived lives fled by. Chapter 10, coming up tomorrow. Hey, thanks so much for popping by. I really do appreciate it. And don't forget to hit that follow button over there. It's free for you. It's easy to do. Just click it. Helps the show out a lot. We really do appreciate that. All right, and check out our great sponsors, all those good deals we got for you there in our show notes. All the stuff we talked about tonight, you will find also there in our show notes. I will see you all again tomorrow.